Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. It's wonderful to be here with you. Great to see each of you. Let me always remind you, take a little look around, notice uh, who isn't here of our number and reach out to them and let them know that we indeed did miss them. And if you don't know who all is missing, if you'll check with Kathy, she keeps a roll, so I cheat on Mondays and Tuesdays sometimes and look at that because my forgetter works better than my rememberer sometimes. So anyway, uh, anyway we, we, it isn't that we forget they weren't here, but sometimes, you know, you know that just tends to uh, do it. But we do need to strengthen and encourage one another. One of the purposes for coming together is to encourage and be encouraged. Uh, that's not the primary purpose, but that's one of the purposes. We just want to honor, glorify, and praise his name, but you can't do that by yourself because we're just an individual member of a body, and there's a local congregation. It's always amazed me, people who want to, who want to be members at large. I said, where do you find that in the Bible? Even Paul, when he showed up in town, uh, the first thing he did was went and uh, came together with the brethren and attached himself to the brethren there. And so we're members of a congregation. It wouldn't make any sense to have elders over a flock if you've got a bunch of renegade sheep out there that doesn't belong to any flock. And uh, so anyway, that's for free this morning. You get all that for free. But anyway, just some interesting things that cross my mind uh, from time to time when we get up here. In just a moment, we're going to get into this passage that Dennis just read for us there uh, in Colossians chapter 2. And uh, it's a great one. And I thought about it when I gave the title to this lesson from verse 13, Dead or Alive, and then I remembered this television show uh, that Steve McQueen was on that was a Western, wanted dead or alive, and he was a bounty hunter. If you thought I was talking about that today, you're wrong. That's not what we're talking about. But anyway, uh, those are, those where my mind races when I, I think crazy, don't I? But anyway... Uh, Dead or alive. I'm going to tell you what I've pretty much figured out. Alive beats dead any day of the week. I mean, that's just how it is. Alive beats dead any day of the week. And so we're going to find out on a spiritual level, which is what we're talking about, is even more important than a physical level. And I'm really not looking forward to dead on a physical level. Now, I might be looking forward to eternity on the other side, but I've been in too many rooms with people, with family members, when their loved one passed, and it never looks like any fun to me. So that's just not the deal. And I know death is separation, so I know that's when the spirit leaves the body. And it will either go to be comforted, or it'll go to be tormented. So it's important. So as we look at this, let me remind you with uh, when we read verse 13, he's talking about being dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. Let me remind you at least back to verses 11 and 12. He told us there's a new circumcision. The new circumcision is not the circumcision of the flesh. The new circumcision is baptism. And the separation of the old man of sin and then becoming right, forgiven, and holy before God. And so at least let me mention that to you. We're not talking about 
physical circumcision here because the context is already determined in the prior two verses. When you read circumcision, it's hard for us maybe to think about it unless we've really thought about it a whole lot. He's talking about being baptized. Now, I'm still, it's still crazy, just like Georgina brought a little flyer, a little handout thing someone left at her house, and they just throw that spiritual circumcision out the door. All you got to do is believe in Jesus and you'll be saved. Just accept him as your personal Savior and say this prayer. I still got to see the passage. And there's too many passages that say otherwise. They say, why do you ignore all of this? And let me tell you what, not all of them ignore it. They just don't know it. And that's why I tell people often, you need to read it for yourself. You need to read it for yourself. You need to... Some people only know, you've heard me say this before, only know enough Bible to be dangerous. That's just the way it is. It can be that way with anything. You know, I can hand you a firearm, and you might understand a little bit about, you know, a piece of lead will come out of the barrel of this thing at a high rate of speed. But if you don't know how to properly handle that firearm, it could become dangerous in a hurry. Now, if you know how to properly handle it, I give you a few rules. I can probably just give you two rules, and it's not going to be dangerous if you keep those two rules right. Muzzle control, making sure that only points in the right direction and keep your finger out of the trigger guard. And if you'll always keep the first rule first, muzzle control, you can't shoot somebody if it's not pointing towards somebody. But you got to know a few things because i tell you what, it's dangerous. But you know what, all kinds of things are dangerous if you don't know how to use them. You know a table saw is dangerous. I know guys miss a few fingers from it. So you've got to know what the Bible is dangerous if it's not used properly and you don't train yourself. It's a two-edged sword, so sharp it's able to divide between bone and marrow. Now I want you to think about that. Whew. It's sharp. You know, my pocket knife's usually kept pretty sharp, but a lot of times I use it, so I sharpen it pretty often. Right now I know I just use it as a, probably sharper than most people's pocket knives, isn't it? But I don't want to hand it to someone, a little kid, with an open blade if they don't know something about handling a sharp blade because I guarantee you, if you get on the wrong side of that, it, you're going to bleed. I know because I've got on the wrong side of it before and I know how to handle it. Just sometimes knowing it and doing it is two different things. So we have to realize as we get to this passage, he says you were, there's that past tense word again. I like that past tense word here. You were dead. Been there and done that. You were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcised of your flesh. He made you. He made you. That's important, isn't it? Who made the heavens and the earth? He. God. Who made all living things? He. God. Who made unrighteous righteousness? He. God. Through his son and his blood and the obedience to the gospel. He made it. Like I told you before, and I remember the day I was immersed in water for the forgiveness. I've been immersed in water a lot of times before that. I had two older brothers. They used to immerse me on a regular basis when we were at the creek. But it wasn't for the right reason, so there was no forgiveness of sin. So it all has to all be what we're doing and why we're doing it. And so as we get into this verse, 
You were dead in your transgressions. Romans 3.23, we talked about that Wednesday. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Three chapters later, chapter 6, so what do you owe? Dead, we read that verse earlier. Dead or alive. You get the death sentence. Unless someone pays the price for you and he dies in your place. Did you know someone did? And he's the one that can make you alive. Let's look at a few verses. Oh, man, there's so many things I'd like to hit here. But go with me over to Romans chapter 6 real quick. Romans 6, then I'm going to go to a few verses in Ephesians 2 on this point. But Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4, we know them very well. But it's the idea of being dead and being made alive. In Romans 6, verses 3 and 4, we read these words. Or do you not know that all of us who have been, who have been, past tense, baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized to his death. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead, and he was on Sunday morning, through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. What's the purpose of being baptized? Well, the purpose of being buried is being raised. You can't be resurrected unless you were dead. You can't resurrect live people. They're already alive. Dead people need resurrected. We put the old man ascend to death, verse 6, but jump to a, a verse a little bit later in that context. Let me make sure I give you the right one. Go to verse 12 of Romans 6. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey lust. So we've got to quit letting it reign in our life, but jump back to the verse even before that, verse 11. Even so, consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Did Christians change? Yeah. Now I'm dead. Have you ever heard someone? You're dead to me. You ever heard someone say that? What's that mean? I don't hear you, I don't see you, I don't want to be around you. You no longer exist as far as I care. Well, that's how we're supposed to be with sin. Oh, man. And how come every once in a while I still sin? Uh, dead to sin, but made alive in Christ Jesus. And we need to think about that thought all the time, don't we? The only hope I have is to be alive in Christ, but also got to be dead to sin. Because some people want to be alive in Christ, but they don't want to be dead to sin. It don't work like that. It can't work like that. You know, Jesus, listen to me, do you know there's no resurrection on Sunday morning if Jesus hadn't been scourged, nailed to a cross, and died on that cross? Do you know if they never buried him in that tomb on Friday, do you know there could be no resurrection on Sunday? Do you know we have no opportunity of heaven unless we put the old man of sin to death? We can't keep thinking we can claim Christianity and live like the devil and it's going to be okay. Not even a little bit. Wow, this is quite a passage. Dead or alive. Those, those sound like very much in contrast to each other. 
Look at another one with me. Turn over to Ephesians 2. I'll just hit on these main two passages. I know I'd get lost in this one verse and we'd never get out of it. Ephesians chapter 2, and uh, go to verses, well, jump back. Let's go to verses 1 and 2 to start with. I was going to go right to 5, but go to 1 and 2 first of all. But you were dead in your trespass and sin. Same point, right? Anyone want to say it? Well, I never was. Go ahead. Because I'm going to shoot you down big time. Because God's word to eat that up, chew it up, and spit it out all over the place. No, I, I, that's me. And you were dead in your trespasses of sin, in which you formerly walked, and I did, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, I don't like him, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Wow. And then he goes ahead and talks who we formerly lived. But go down to verses, verse 5. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, and we were, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. By grace you have been saved if you were dead in your transgressions and you've been made alive together with Christ. That only can happen in baptism. You know how much grace there is without any faith? You know how much grace you receive without any obedience? You know how much grace is available to those who have not put the old man to sin to death and been raised to walk in newness of life? Zero. Verse 6, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And we know I'm not literally sitting beside Jesus right now. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us. And here's that phrase again, in Christ Jesus. I've never taken time, I've done it in Ephesians 1 before, but I've never taken time just to take in the New Testament that prepositional phrase, in Christ, and looked at every passage. Uh, We would be amazed if we did. I know that in Christ is where everything is that I want, and outside of Christ is only hell and damnation. It might look really good right now, but it comes with such a sharp edge, it'll bleed you out before you know it. Wow. So back over here in Colossians chapter 2, dead and being made alive, and in verse 13, So we've been made alive together with him, and now we have forgiveness of all our transgressions. So you're telling me when I've been made alive in Christ, when I've been raised to walk into this life, all my sins are gone? That's what I'm telling you. And you don't have to to take my words for it. Acts 2 and verse 38 says that if you'll repent and be baptized, each one of you, for the forgiveness of your sins, You know what? You become saved. You are forgiven. Acts 22.16 tells us in baptism our sins are washed away. And once we become Christians, 1 John 1 and verse 7 says, if we'll walk in the light, that means we live according to the writings of the New Testament. 
If we walk in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the one with another is God the Father, because and the blood of His Son, that's Jesus Christ, cleanses us from most of our sins. Oh, no, that's not what that says. Cleanses us from all sin. Only if you remember the statement that's contingent early in the verse. If. If you don't walk in the light, you keep your sin. So it's important to study the Bible and do what it says. And we have to remember to hold on to that. So we're going to be raised to walk in newness of life. We're going to be Christians. I like like Galatians 2 and verse 20. I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We ought to quote that to ourselves a little more. Not that it's a magical statement that I want you to say it ten times. It just happens. But man, maybe if we said it more, we'd remember to live it more. Nailed it down. Nailed it down. Don't want any part of it. Look on at verse 14. Now, it's kind of interesting because I'm going to break this sermon and stop this sermon after verse 15, which I don't know in the context that's the best thing to do, but I didn't know how long you wanted me to preach on it. Because I think he deals with this all together, and I think we can kind of make a break there and pick back up, Lord willing, next week. But he says, having canceled out, I think some translations read blotted out. Having canceled, you know, they used to have blotters, right? We have erasers now. And then we had whiteout. And now we just have things that just correct itself on its own. You know, I think people think that's what they can do spiritually. They just have a, not spell check, they have a sin check. And it just removes it from them. No. Having canceled out the certificate of death consisting of decrees against you. Now, commentators will sometimes disagree on this. I believe they both kind of fit together. I know that contextually he's more talking about the old law and the law of the old covenant that even contains circumcision and that he's going to put all that away in Christ Jesus because he's going to nail it to the cross. But you know what else he nailed to the cross? The sins you committed, even under the old covenant. And, but he's going to blot out, he's going to remove, let's say your banker calls you. Let's say you owe money on a house, big money. You owe $500,000 on your house. And the bank comes in, said, you know what? We drew your name today and you lucked out. We tear this note up, you own it free and clear. You tell me where I can get in that line. You just think about that. Woo! Huh? Well, you got to do one thing. Oh, I knew there was a catch. Yeah, you do. You got to eat a plate of liver and onions. I'm telling for that kind of money, I'll eat liver and onions. Okay, but no, you look at it. I don't like it. I don't have to like it. You know what? Sometimes there are things that God demands of the Bible that I don't really like, but it's demanded anyway. Some people say, I like everything he demands. Well, Jesus didn't. That's what the whole Garden of Gethsemane was about. Sometimes his demands seem really big to me. I know compared to what he gave for me, they're minute. But usually we get to looking in our mirror and seeing ourselves rather than looking in the mirror and seeing the Lord. And 
So we look at this, and he says he canceled out this certificate of debt. He's going to cancel out. He's going to do away with it. I, I do like that when you think about it, he's going to take you from, as he started in verse 13, of where you were and put you where you are or where you should be. I do love the passage in 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9, 10, 11. I love verse 11, and I'm going to start there instead of the beginning of at verse 9. But he says, and such were some of you. You guys heard me make this statement a lot. I know I'm I know it's true about me, and I'm sure it's true about you. We all got a past. You know, people today want to use their past for an excuse of why they're not doing things right today. If you allow your past to define you, that's your past. I can be forgiven for my past. I can't undo it. I can't. I mean, whatever it is, I can't undo it. If I ate your sandwich, I can't give it back. And if I could, you don't want it. Okay? It's gone. I can apologize for it. I can truly be sorrowful, and you can forgive me or not. The great things God will forgive us if we're truly sorrowful and we repent and quit eating other people's sandwiches. And so that's what he wants us to see. Here it was. Here you were, and you were dead, and, and if we had time, we'd read 9 and 10, and I didn't make up the list in 9 and 10, and there's more things than that. We, at the end of verse 10, we see it's not an all-inclusive list, but those sins, if you commit them and keep committing them, no matter what society says, you can't enter the kingdom of heaven. People say, Kendall, I can't believe you said that. I'm sorry, you can read the passage. I didn't come up with the idea. I'm just telling you what God had Paul inspire the Holy Spirit right down for the church in Corinth and for us right here at Franklin County. People say, I don't like it. Tough luck. That's the way it is, whether you like it or not. You know, you heard this old statement. I used to hear it more when I was a kid. You can like it or lump it. That's just how it is. And we've got to learn to do God's will no matter what. Turn to a couple of passages with me on that verse. Uh, turn over to First uh, Peter chapter 2. I'm only going to look at one verse for time's sake. Because for some reason that clock keeps moving. Go to verse 24. And he himself, that's Jesus Christ, bore our sins in his body on the cross that we might, why did he do that? Why in the world would he do that? Well, let's see what he says. So that we might die to sin and live, hit this dead or alive things in the Bible a lot, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you were healed. I want you to think about that. Let's say when I cut my hand here, there's a pretty big scar there. I cut my hand here, and it's bleeding, it's bleeding, and I think, man, I probably should go get that sewed up. It's bleeding, and I'm dripping on stuff. That's what I was bugging me the most. I can't even keep from when I was working. I'm getting blood all over. 
But let's say all I got to do is go over and cut Vernon, and when I cut Vernon, it gets fixed. Whoa! Man, that's pretty neat. So Charlene breaks her arm, and it hurts, and it's bad, but we go break Vernon's arm, and her arm's healed just like that. That's crazy, isn't it? That's what Jesus did. Listen to me, that's what Jesus did. He took the lumps, understatement, for my sins. And I get the blessings. This is so unfair, but man, am I thankful. I get the blessings for his life. Wow. So now, what's he need me to do? Because it's trivial compared to what I'm getting. Dead to sin and alive to Christ, alive to do what is right and righteous. Turn back over here real quick to Colossians chapter 2. And um, when we look on at this passage, he talks about in verse 15, when he had disarmed the rulers and authorities, he made a public display of them, having triumphed over them through him. Are we going to be victorious in Christ? Are we victorious in Christ? Well, let me ask you this. Did the Romans really kill him? You know they really didn't. Did the Jews really kill him? You know they really didn't. You know that he gave his life. He was in control all the time. They couldn't kill him. If he didn't want to be dead, he's nail-proof. They could have whipped that scourge across his back, and if he wanted to, it could have been like iron. And they said, what is he doing? You can't even break skin on this boy. You do understand he submitted so my sins would be forgiven. I think we forget that sometimes. He freely gave his life for us. You can't kill him. We always... And and when you really get down to it, I don't need to blame the Romans and I don't need to blame the Jews because I'll tell you, I know why he died. is my sins are pretty bad. I mean, I'm the murderer. That's kind of tough to say, isn't it? But if I'm ever going to realize what I really owe him, I got to be able to, I killed him. So, yeah, you guys can go and say, well, our preachers told me he's the one who killed Jesus. You can tell them that. That's true. But I hate to tell you, you're falling right with me. But it's so important for us to realize that. So this is what he did so that I might be healed. And I might have the victory, the triumph over him. He mentions that triumph in more than one passage. One passage I'm not going to turn to is over in uh, 2 Corinthians 2 and verse 14. But I am going to turn to one that we're maybe more familiar with that I think is just powerful. And some of you already say, I know where he's going. I know where he's going. Well, if you said the end of Romans 8, you I love Romans 8, and um, even before we get to the end, let me remind you how he starts in verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. They're dead to their transgressions and alive in Christ. But as you read on down in this passage, he mentions so many things, but I'm going to go right to verse 35, if you would, with me. Who 
will separate us from the love of Christ? The government. Because we spend a lot of time talking about how the government's shabby. Last week's weather, it was hot last week. Don't tell me it wasn't if you didn't work outside all week. It's hot, brutal hot. That can't separate me from the love of Christ. Brethren, don't treat me right. Well, let's just read what he said. Well, let's look. Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, just as written... For your sake, I am being put to death all the day long. Wow, how do you do that? I think I thought that's going to happen pretty quick. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, I'm going to quote King James because I like it better, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. I like to win, but win big. Now, I'm not a big Chiefs fan. I'm not opposed to the Chiefs. They're not like the Cowboys. But anyway, so Tammy and Hunter and I went to Kansas City to a Chiefs game because they're both Chiefs fans. And and the Chiefs really didn't win. They did have the highest score at the end of the game, but the Browns lost at the last few seconds. But we got back and we were talking about that. Well, Lincoln made sure immediately, since he's a Denver fan, showed me on his phone, Denver won yesterday 41 to nothing. 41 to nothing. Now, the biggest game I was ever involved in in football that I ever saw, the highest, the highest score I ever saw, we won that game 72 to nothing. Now, we didn't win that game. We won that game in the first four plays. It was obvious that we weren't going to be playing against anybody. Not to the caliber that that team, we were. You could just roll over. We didn't win. We blew them out. Well, let me tell you what. Have you ever heard that people say this? Well, I don't care if they just give me the little shack in heaven, I'll take it. If I just squeak through, there's no squeaking through and there's no little shack. You get it all or you get it none. You get to walk in and get all of it. Not because you're good enough, because he was good enough. And so we are made more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, we can't stop there. Read on. For I am convinced, I love this, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, what, will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in, there's that phrase again, in Christ Jesus our Lord. So, in ending. This lesson. Dead or alive, what are you today? You know. You know. If you're not sure, presently you're alive in Christ. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. You're not alive in Christ then. You're not in Christ. Then you need to confess faith in Jesus, Son of God. And because of that faith, you need to repent and be baptized in a water grave of baptism so you can be raised to walk in this life. Put the old man to sin and death, raised to walk in newness of life. If you're a Christian, he says, you know what? I haven't been walking in the light. 
so I'm not in Christ. Isn't it amazing that God will allow us when we're Christians, when we sin, to confess our sin, to repent, and he'll forgive us of that sin. God is an awesome God. If you're here today and you're not in a situation where you're alive in Christ, don't leave it like that. If we can help you, please come as we stand and sing.